Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, all about movies, and today my guests are director Will Battersby and writer Diane Shader-Smith, and we're going to be talking about their beautiful documentary, Salt in My Soul. Welcome to the show, Will and Diane. Thank you. Thank you. Diane, since this is really your story, your daughter's story, and your story, why don't you tell our listeners what Salt in My Soul is all about? When Mallory passed away, I knew that she had been writing in a journal. And just before she died, she gave me the password and I was able to read it. And so first, Salt in My Soul was a book that Random House published. And I have been touring around the country, introducing it to medical schools and high schools and ladies lunches. And it was really well received. And then at some point, Will was given a copy of the book and he decided to make the film of it, which has been an incredible collaboration and a scary endeavor to take your daughter's life and legacy and entrust it into the care of somebody else, not knowing anything about them. But Will has done a magnificent job of bringing Mallory to life. And the timing is really appropriate because so many things that are happening in the world are relevant to the themes in the book. So that's very exciting. Yes, very much so. Will, how did you become attracted to this project? Well, uh, one of the producers, Richard Abate, uh, sent me the book at the end of 2019 and um, said, you know, he thought this would make a terrific documentary. So I sat down. I read it in one go. You know, it's it's a beautifully written book. You know, it's, it's Mallory's secret memoir that she wrote while struggling with cystic fibrosis. Um, and uh, I knew immediately that he was right. Um, and um, so I, I, he put Diane and I on the phone together and we talked for a long time. And obviously Diane was very careful. You know, she, she wanted to know exactly what kind of film I envisioned and um, how I would go about making it. And, you know, um, because, you know, it had hit her daughter's life. And um, we talked for a long time. We emailed back and forth. And then I think very quickly I jumped on a plane and headed out west to, to LA to meet with Diane and Mark and, and Mallory's brother, Micah. And, and what was this process like for you, Diane, to see your daughter's story you, you know, obviously you had the book and you, you know, in her journals, um, but to have it put together in a documentary so the world really could see more intimately even than the book, because you had hours and hours of video throughout her life. That's pretty amazing. So what was that like for you, that whole process? Well, it's interesting because the director and the editor had a very specific point of view and they had a way they wanted to present the information. And it it we had a lot of contentious conversations about memory. I don't know, Will, if you remember this way back when, because he would interview people and then I would say, that's not what happened. And it didn't go down that way. And what Will taught me in the process, because he's a seasoned documentarian and I have done a lot of writing and work in a lot of mediums, but not in film. So it was this was new to me, especially documentary. But what he taught me was that part of what, documentary involves is people remembering the way they experienced it. So people's experiences are different, their memories are different. So I had a little bit of a initial difficulty sort of getting to that. And one anecdote that I'll share, and I won't I don't want to give anything away, but one of the people that Will interviewed, I didn't like the way he was coming across. And he had sort of this one particular point of view. And then I asked Will, I said, you spent eight hours with him. Could you go back and relook? And he came back with a whole different spin. And what I realized 
this film is Will's vision. It's Will's execution. And it is the way he sees it. And I do realize now, since every person had hours and hours and hours of the interviews, he picked what he thought was the right way to present the film. And I think that's where the trust has to come in. And I initially hammered him a lot. What is this film about? What are you writing about? What are you directing? You know, how are you putting this together? Because the one thing about Mallory, as you said, she left audio, she left video, she left written material, and I parented her very closely as a helicopter mom in her life, and I have done the same in her death, with her legacy, with her material, but all I can say is, Will, as they say, what's the analogy, knocked it out of the park, and I'm very, very thrilled with the way he is introducing, and I give April Merrill, an ed- the editor, credit to, the way they introduced Mallory into the world I'm I couldn't be happier with and I think it's going to allow everybody that's participating with us on this journey to do a lot of good and to use the film for more than just entertainment which a lot of movies are just entertainment this there is actually an opportunity to bring some very very important issues to the forefront of people's consciousness and I'm happy about that yes definitely and as you said too Will um particularly it's time for everyone you know that when you were putting this together were you did you do this pre-covid or during covid when were you putting together this film well we were we were incredibly fortunate in that we had shot uh, the majority of our interviews in february of 2020 so just before the lockdown um and, um, you know, I had wanted to do a few more interviews. There were a few people who sadly I couldn't get to because everything just shut down. Um, but, um, you know, we as we started to edit it during during the pandemic, you know, I knew very quickly that we had we had the film, um, you know, because what was what was so important to me from very early on was that we have Mallory be the narrator of her own story, you know, because this is about her direct experience. Um And that was, you know, it it was an incredible journey of discovery, of finding, you know, I mean, we knew there was a lot of material, you know, Mallory recorded podcasts, private audio, there was, you know, phone video, um, you know, but there were, you know, some amazing moments. I mean, I'll tell this one story. I was sitting with Diane in her office in LA and she was showing me a a local news piece from Pittsburgh uh, from when Mallory had her transplant and there was some footage in it. that I assumed was stock footage, you know, amazing stock footage of a surgery. And I said, I know oh, that's the most incredible stock footage I've ever seen. And she said, oh, no, no, that's not stock footage. That's Mallory's actual surgery. Um, the University of Pittsburgh had actually filmed it because they were using some extraordinarily experimental techniques during that particular operation. Um, so, you know, we ended up with this amazing, you know, 4K footage of that surgery. Um, you know, so it was... It was difficult because of lockdown, but it also gave us the space and time to discover the film and really sit with it. And, um, you know, so, you know, I think uh, was ended up being exactly the film it needed to be. How long was the filming process? Uh, It was actually fairly short for a doc. So we um, we ended up doing most of our preliminary interviews in a two week period. And then we, you know, then we traveled around the country picking up the various other pieces that weren't California based because uh, most of the interview subjects were in California. Um, so, you know, probably all in, it was probably a month's worth of actual shooting. That is short for a documentary. Yeah. Definitely. And that's because you had all. But the, but, the, but the follow up question has to be because what they say is. A film is not made in the shooting, it's made in the editing. Right. That was my next question. How much time? I would ask Will how much time you spent editing. That's what's my next question, Diane. You took the words out of my mouth. (laughs) 
That's exactly. I, that. I was following. I was following up with that question. How long did it take in the editing? Because that's usually um, you're right. Everything happens in the editing room. Yeah, I, it was probably about nine months of editing. So a long time, you know, because we also, you know, we had some again extraordinary discoveries along the way. Um, you know, one of the moments. I mean, I'm sure you, you saw the film. So you know, there's a sit down interview with Mallory herself. Um, which we were incredibly fortunate to find. A young choreographer uh, called Jacob Jonas had interviewed Mallory as the basis of a dance that he was choreographing. Um, so, and he had this footage and had shared it with Diane. Diane had never watched it because it was too too painful for her to watch, but we got it. Um, and then there was this amazing moment about, you know, as we were kind of finishing up, you know, and we were, we were looking for the kind of, you know, the highest resolution of all the images we'd used in the film. And I contacted... Uh, Jacob and, and his partner and um, and they said oh by the way uh, we were running a second camera so we had this suddenly the sit down interview and then we reopened the film because we realised oh we're going to definitely want to use some of the angles so you know some of the cutaway shots of Mallory and her dog and you know all of that stuff ended up going in very very late in the day um and then, of course, you know, we, we may have to reopen the film, too, because of the end of the film with the, you know, the informational cards, because that the technology, you know, that Mallory's case has inspired and the research has already changed since we locked picture. So I, w- I would imagine that within sort of six months, we'll have to go back in and, and make some changes to that as well. Uh, Diane, how involved were you in the editing process? Were you involved at all? I had a lot of opinions. I'll let Will answer <laughs> that. But I have a lot of I had a lot of opinions. Yeah. Well, no, it, it, you know, it, it was, I, I, you know, what I said to Diane very early on when we were talking before we, you know, finalized the deal for us to make the film was, you know, I, this was never going to be a kind of gotcha documentary. Um, I knew this was a kind of uh, a, a beautiful, you know, it feels very much like a narrative feature, right? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a coming of age story about this girl yeah. trying to live fully and richly while knowing that she's dying, you know, and, and the kind of extraordinary choices she makes. Um, so, so I wasn't too worried about, you know, really wanting Diane's opinion because it's a portrait of her daughter. And I, I didn't want to make any fundamental mistakes, Um you know, and um, so, you know, at, at key moments, we would share the film and then Diane and I would spend days talking about it, you know, and as she said, you know, she 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 had interesting moments of butting up against other people's memory. You know, and as I said to her, look, these, these are their memories. You can't we can't change what they remember happening in those moments or who they remember being in rooms and what was said and how it was said. Um, you know, and I think I hope at least, and it was very much, it was very, it was a very moving experience for me to have Diane be involved because I could also see her, you know, she's a grieving mother, right? And she still is grieving and will always be grieving in a certain way. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, I could see a change in her relationship to it. And, you know, and a kind of and an easing somewhat, I, I felt, I don't know if you agree with this, Diane, you know, an easing somewhat for her. Um, so it was, a, it was a very um, unique and special experience, actually, for me to have Diane involved. And it meant a lot to me. You know, it wasn't about me doing something for her, though that was part of it. I was also getting an immense amount out of it. And, and it's interesting because, first of all, um, the experience, as he said, got a little bit easier. I think what happened was kind of a combination of things. In the beginning, Will, and I remember saying to him after two weeks, oh, you think you have everything, but you'll be back. 
because you don't, how could you possibly know in two weeks what it took us a lifetime to learn? And I fully expected him to come back and then COVID happened. And there were very specific people that I wanted to be in the film that felt that felt imperative to the film. And the truth is what you learn is nobody's indispensable. And with, other than Mallory, anybody else could have been left out of the film. And there was other people that could have been and it would have contributed greatly, but it just didn't work out that way. But really, the over, the, over time, the reason I sort of softened is because... Will got to know me, he got to know Mallory, he got to know the material, he got to know her through other people, not just me. And over and having that luxury of time where I do think COVID was very beneficial, it enabled Will to live the live it, live it. You know, he got to live the story because you you have a different experience as time passes and as you know, re- rereading passages. There I do remember some moments where I said, you know, okay, it, this is okay, like this could go this way, but you know, talk to so and so or look at this or maybe think back about that or so on and you know sometimes i have the luxury of 25 years of experience right will was very new to this but now after two years i would tell you that i would completely trust will to go out on the road and tell the whole story i mean i i have very vivid memories i swim in the morning and i swim in memory of mallory who liked to swim and used to get mad when she would be on a port or a pick line and couldn't swim and her friends would say i don't want to get my hair wet and so we we swim to honor her memory and I remember I would get out of the pool where I would have been ruminating and I would call Will. What is this film about? What are you making this film about? Because I wanted to make sure this was early, early, early on. And now I hear him talking about the film. It's like, whoa, wow. And then he will now say something that I haven't thought about, which will lead to something that we're doing that has shown me that he's fully launched. He's he's a certifiable spokesperson for Mallory and probably the only other person that I would trust, really, truly the only other person I would trust. Even my husband, I think, is kind of, you know, doesn't pay as close attention to the detail and hasn't immersed himself in the material the way Will has. So he has now earned the right to go out and speak on Mallory's behalf and present a film that he created to the world. So it makes me very happy. And wow. there's been a lot. And I, I should I should add, Diane has been trying to get herself cut out of this film since day one. <laughs> I, I knew very quickly after meeting Diane, and I'm sure as your viewer, you know, your viewers and listeners will understand, Diane asked one of your follow-up questions for you. You. Yes. <laughs> um, I knew Diane would make a great character in a movie, right? <laughs> Ultimately. And there is that wonderful, you know, that stuff between Mallory and her and, you know. Um, oh, yeah. She, she saw the film for the first time on the big screen a few weeks ago, called me immediately and said, you have to cut me out of this, episode, <laughs> but I'm not going to. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, Diane. What was your reaction when you finally saw the film in a, in a, in a theater with other people? Well, there's only three other people because it was COVID and it was a private screening that somebody arranged for us. Um, The interesting thing is that what I have also learned, things I never paid attention to, but I do now, lighting, music, the music. I mean, honestly, the music in the film is part of is one of my favorite parts. One one of the things I think makes this film pop. I agree. I agree. And when you listen to the trailer, the music pops. Yeah. And those I, I had this much input big zero i had zero to do with the music and that's the that's the part where i say will did an extraordinary job because he picked music that that worked for me and i'm i'm tough i'm i mean you know i'm the keeper and the curator of mallory's legacy really you know forget anybody forget my husband my son anybody else this is my life it was my life when she was alive and it's my life now that she's dead but the music he nailed it and it is 
it's it's unbelievable. So I, I'm very grateful. You know, one of the things, I don't know if anybody believes in this, but one of the things that they say is that um, before we come down here to be a soul on this planet, that we choose our parents and whether we like them or not, we've chosen them. And um, I believe Mallory chose you because of your strength. I don't, I, I'm going to, I, I'm, I was hoping I wouldn't get through this interview without crying because I cried so much. You cry or I'll cry, don't you? Do yeah, it. I can't. I can't do it. I'm going to try not to. Um, but I cried so much through this film. And actually, even in preparing for this interview, I was you know, taking a shower this morning and I started crying. And I was like, okay, Jen, you cannot do this um, at all. But you have such strength, such strong inner strength. And that's what you need to have in order to go through what you went through with this extraordinary woman. She is an extraordinary young woman. And um, and the fact that you have been able to honor her uh, with this beautiful, beautiful documentary, plus the book um, that, you know, Salt in My Soul, the book too, for those who would like to read that. It's, it's, it's really beautiful. I want to talk a little bit about your husband and your son. I have a question about uh, your son, um, because, you know, obviously he and Mallory were very, very close. But I have to believe, and I thought about this, you know, being a sibling, when you when you're, you have a sibling that's ill, and, and everything has to revolve around her and her illness, unfortunately, sister, cystic fibrosis is not one of those easy illnesses. Um, and yet he remained close. What was that like for him? Because I would think, you know, he might have gotten a little jealous and a little upset sometimes that his sister was getting all the attention, but that didn't come through in the documentary at all. Is Was there anything like that between the two of them, Micah and Mallory? I, I can on, honestly say no, there was no jealousy. There, I would split the question in half. I would say that Micah was an incredible brother to Mallory. I would say Mallory was an incredible sister to Micah. I also think that as parents, we made decisions that a lot of our friends didn't agree with. And I called it the divide and conquer strategy. So for example, if Mallory had to do treatment, but Micah had a baseball game, we would split up. If Mallory was swimming in a swim tournament, but Micah had a robotics tournament, we would split up. And so we would oftentimes split our time so that each child had a parent Mm -hmm. now. So he wasn't jealous. He didn't feel left out. Now, the second half of the question, how did it affect him emotionally? It was horrific. Um, I don't think I understood. You know, you think you're doing everything great. You think you're being the best parent you can be. I, I, we, we did divide and conquer. We made sure Micah got to everything he ever wanted to be part of. But at the end of the day, it is not possible if you're a caring person to have a sister watch her suffer and die mm-hmm. and not be destroyed by that. You know, you have survivor's guilt. Why, you know, Mallory was the perfect child. I know he's often thought, you know, she's the perfect child. Why Why am I still here when I'm the fuck up? He's a lovely, amazing and caring soul who has is learning to do great things with his life. But he did have to live in her shadow. And I do see that now. And I think that ultimately he is a kinder, more compassionate and caring person. He has a fabulous, lovely girlfriend who we adore. And she tells me all the time how much she loves him, which makes me very happy. But it's been a hard journey for him. And there is that unaffected sibling syndrome, which is real. It's real. 
Don't right. let anybody ever pretend it's not. But that doesn't mean that there's anything, if I, you know, what would I have done differently? I would have loved for my daughter not to die. Right. I would have gotten her this treatment sooner, but. Right. And I would just like to add, if you're fans of the music in the film, Micah actually, uh, I asked him, he composed a piece of music uh, oh, that's in the film. He did. Wow. Yeah. Amazing, yeah, amazing. The, the, the scene where Diane is looking at uh, the childhood photos on the floor of her office, that piece of music is uh, is Micah's, and it's actually, I used it in the trailer as well. He's an incredibly talented uh, guy. Beautiful, beautiful. That's wonderful to hear that and know that too. That's what, you know, this the show is about enriching your um, experience when you watch a film. So when people go to watch the film, they will know these little details and look for them um, when they're watching it. So let's talk about your extraordinary husband also, because, you know, he was, the two of you were definitely a team and in how you worked together, but he was he was relentless in his pursuit to find a cure. Can you talk a little bit about, about your wonderful husband, Mike? Yeah, he's an amazing dad, an amazing husband. And early on, I said to him, I will take charge of fundraising and social and medical appointments, but I don't want to put myself into the research. I just didn't want to do it. It was too too much and not my expertise. He's a real true intellectual. He, he was an nuclear engineering undergrad he has a harvard law degree he's a brilliant thinker and he likes that stuff so we we had an easy division of labor there i have a very deep regret that when he brought up phage therapy to mallory and me initially neither one of us thought it would happen in time and i didn't pay any attention to it Hmm. and i have my deep regrets for that he pushed up against a lot of closed doors he ultimately was successful in getting it for her and you'll hear in the film you may remember he mentions pig's lungs which will at some point be viable but not in mallory it wasn't from it, it wasn't anywhere close enough for mallory's lifetime and we're still not there yet but um now he when she passed away he said i couldn't save my daughter but i want to save other lives and he introduced the idea of phage therapy to the cystic fibrosis foundation because that's a population of approximately 30,000 who at some point their lungs will give out and his vision was to treat kids with CF with phage therapy before their lungs gave out so they wouldn't need a transplant because transplant was fraught with all kinds of problems and I was very worried when Mallory died that Mark was going to kind of go off on a limb and you know just quit his job to travel the country to try to get phage therapy and we talked about it for a long time I didn't think that would be good for him because I, I knew what he needed to do was go back to work heal himself. You know, women heal differently than men. And so I told him that I would carry the baton and I have been the amplifier and the, the megaphone. Um, and part of why I wanted to get the documentary made was, I, and I told Will this early on, I want Mark's place along with Stephanie Strathy and the different players involved to be recorded in history. Unfortunately, Ben Chan, who's one of the original guys who was doing research and work with this, he didn't get to be interviewed because of COVID, but I really wanted and Dr. Chip Schooley to be acknowledged. The people who, and Dr. Joe Paluski at UPMC who said yes. I mean, there are very specific people who paved the way for others who will benefit and will live. Right. And so that's the legacy that Mark wanted for himself. And I think he now can ensure that that legacy has been established. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And what a wonderful gift from all of this, too. Will, what did, for you, what did you learn? We only have like a few minutes, a few seconds left. Um, for you, what did you learn from putting together this documentary that you didn't expect that you would learn or grow or it, some, any, any revelations that came from doing this documentary? Um, yes, there were a lot. Uh, you know, and I think 
actually Mallory's message is a very simple message, right? And I think it's, um, you know, and it was very poignant during the pandemic, you know, where a lot of us lost loved ones, um, you know, which is to really, you know, live simply, love as much as you possibly can, you know, engage with the world. You know, I mean, that was the extraordinary thing about Mallory. You know, she could have really turned inward, but she chose to turn outward, you know, towards environmentalism. And, you know, I think, you know, you know, the sort of the, the mental health component, you know, the sort of, I would say the one mistake Mallory made was that she didn't, she didn't share everything, you know, with her friends that they would have wanted her to share, you know, the difficulties. Um, so, you know, that's, I was thinking about that a lot while making this. Um, but yeah, I think get out there, create, embrace the world and love the people around you. What a great message. What a great message. Where can people see Salt in My Soul? Well, so the film is uh, being released in theaters in LA and New York on January 21st. Uh, it will then be released digitally uh, on iTunes, Apple, Amazon, uh, in 50 countries around the world, including the uh, United States, on January 25th. Uh, and they can go to our website, which is um, saltinmysoul.com. Wonderful. Thank you both for being on the show. Such an honor. And everyone, please, um, please check out this beautiful documentary. Have your family watch it. Salt in my soul. Thank you. If you have missed any of the Jam Price shows all about movies, you can go to my website, thejampriceshow.com, and all the shows are archived there. Or you can listen to the show wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, the iHeart Podcast Network, Apple, Spotify, Google, you name it, we are there. Also, you can go to our new YouTube channel and please subscribe and like it. And you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Jam Price Show. Thank you all for listening. Jam Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jam Price Show, all about movies.